Welcome to the Make Better Photos and Videos podcast. I'm Ross. I'm Gordon. Gordon, with the holidays rapidly approaching, I thought it was a decent idea to come up with a list of our personal recommendations for gifts for photographers. I'd also like to keep this list different from every other list, meaning let's put on some stuff that normal folks can afford, less expensive than well, here's a brand new camera that you should buy for your whatever for Christmas. Yep. You up for that? Yep, sir. Okay. It sounds like a good idea, but let's beware. Uh, this is right up there with buying clothes for your wife, or even worse still, buying appliances for a celebration day. The photographer listener can leave the list lying around the house, I guess. And the buyer, or the buyer who listens to this, can have some decent ideas about what what he can should get. So why don't we alternate, and uh, maybe you can go first, take the pressure off me. <laughs> I, I'll be happy to, and I concur. A blender is a lousy anniversary <laughs> gift. Just say it. Okay, since both you and I are fans of stability in image making, not being looking forward to that, oh, look, it's all blurred stuff, I thought it would be a good idea to consider another stability supporting device. And my recommendation that we'll start off with is the Platypod. The Platypod is a machined aluminum plate that takes a ball head and a bunch of other mechanisms for attaching it to stuff. They come in different sizes. They are completely flat and you just screw on your ball head. And if you need the spiky feet that come with it, well, you screw those on as well and you're good to go. You can also strap them to fence rails or posts or tree trunks to create a stable shooting platform. Well, that's interesting that you brought that up first because recently with the camera club, there's been a fair amount of discussion about Carrying the platypod uh, on hikes and into the bush uh, instead of a tripod, which is kind of interesting. Yeah, I, I'm not sure I'm behind that idea. Yeah, uh, I, I have some reservations too, but we'll wait and see what uh, our friends in the club uh, come up with. Well, so having sort of limited exposure to the various variations uh, of equipment that's available in the photography world, I'm going to start with what bothers me the most. And that, okay, folks, we live in Canada. Winter here lasts from about November to May, and that's in the warmer areas. My hands get cold, very, very cold. So the top of my list for non for a non-photographer to buy for any photographer who is in this sort of situation would be some form of a hand-warming device. So you got any suggestions about what we can use for this sort of thing? I bought, I'm on my second pair of photographer's gloves. I bought the first ones about 10 years ago. Now the nicest thing I can say about them is that they were crap. The ones I replace them with have really robust palms made of goat leather, and they're lined with tinsulate, so they remain pretty warm. The index fingertip and the thumb tip both fold back and stay open with little magnets, 
if I need the tactile feel of having skin on a button or some kind of adjustment tool like a wheel, they're also water repellent, which I like because invariably if I go out, I'm going to get wet. That's just the way it goes for me. I don't think that the ones I have are available anymore. So if I had to replace them, I would probably look at something like the Valorette Markov Pro Gloves. They've got the flip style finger caps. The nice thing I like about them is that they're lined not only with insulate, but merino wool. Ooh. And merino wool is great for wicking perspiration away so you don't overheat. And they're touchscreen capable. What about you? Well, it just struck me that we can do a whole podcast on how we keep our hands warm. The problem is that whatever you wear on your hands that is effective enough to keep the hands warm generally fails miserably when one has to use a camera. Uh, you mentioned the flip back fingers and the back thumbs and well, I, tr I tried a pair. I have to admit they were cheap and well, they flipped forward when they should be flipping back and they got in the way of everything. I don't know about you, but I have not found a pair that really works uh, well for both keeping your hands warm and making the finer adjustments that you need for a camera. Have you had any experience with battery-powered heated gloves? I see some advertised in Eddie Bauer and some of the other electronic stores, etc., but I've got reservations about them. So, I, you know, I don't have any experience with them, but every year it's getting closer. Well, I can understand that. I, uh, I too, have trouble with cold, cold hands. And as a motorcyclist, I tend to try to get out as early in the season as I can right. and ride as long as I can. Because as you say, half the year, it's... It's gone. It, yeah, it's gone. I've tried heated gloves, and unless you spend a lot of money and get ones that are lithium-powered and have decent voltages, 7.4 volts or higher, so nothing that's running off AA batteries, you know, something that's lithium-powered, I found that they're pretty useless. Now, I do like the heated gloves from Climb. Uh, Climb make really, really fine motorcycle and snowmobile apparel. The problem with them, frankly, is that they're expensive. They're just under 400 bucks for a pair. Oops. And I think that's a lot of money. What I've done Everybody instead, though, is I've gone with a set of silk glove liners. They're made of silk. They're super thin. On their own, they don't keep you warm used inside a set of gloves, like the photographer gloves, they provide that extra level of insulation. And for most of the time when I'm out photographing, it's all that I need. And if it's really all that much colder, you know, I might not think about going out at all. <laughs> I gotta be it honest. Sounds like I have a good reason for not going out. But I think you've come up with a solution to the problem. Well, some of it. I've settled now on what I call my CWSD Mark III. And one of the ladies in our camera club, she called it my contraption. Okay. Yes. I know we're in the photography <laughs> conversation. We need another acronym. Like the proverbial fish needs the proverbial <laughs> bicycle. CWSD? Yeah. It's a cold weather shooting device. Cold weather shooting device. Tell and us more, sir. Gladly. 
consists of an oversized pair of leather mitts, sheepskin lined, preferably. They are joined together by a length of parachute cord, which can either run up the sleeves of your jacket or just around your neck. And it should be long enough to allow a full range of movement of your arms. My so-called Mark I and Mark II, they had a slip knot uh, going around the neck. I almost strangled myself twice, and now it's just a knot. So that fits around my neck, and... Uh, the other end attached to the gloves. You know, when I was a kid in Quebec, we called those idiot mittens. And your point would be? I don't have a point. I'm just telling you a story. <laughs> You're telling the story, but the point I'm sure is well taken because, yep, it's idiot for sure. So inside this fits a pair of liner gloves that allow for finer movement. Yep, that makes sense. Since I'm a cheapskate, I complain about my hands, but I won't go spend a lot of money. Costco has these um, ski-doo, ski-type gloves with this combination. Yeah, I don't know, maybe 20 bucks, 30 bucks, something like that, and that works fine. So when it's time to shoot, I, my hand just gets pulled out of the outer glove, and then the outer glove gets dropped. I do what I have to do with the line portion and when I'm done doing that, I just, I know where the other end is. It's right at the end of the rope, so to speak. And the coolest part of this is, as part of the gift, you could always give a whole carton full of hand warmers, again from Costco, and they go inside. About $15 puts a smile on the face and can be used in your boots in a pinch. Well, I'm a big fan of those warmer packs, and I concur. They're essential in the cold, both for your feet and for your hands. Also, I was just thinking, you can throw a couple into your back, where you, wherever you got your battery. Well, in fact, I was going to suggest that <laughs> as we go, but now I won't. What was that about idiot proof? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> We used to pull on the one arm to see if the other arm would come up and hit the kid in the head. Evil, evil children. What else you got? Uh, the problem with the, trying to come up with a list of gifts for people is because certainly in photography, the gifts need to be sort of camera specific. And for a non-techie partner, this is a problem. So I'm trying to think of something non-tech or at least less. And I'm going to suggest that you could try putting together a lighting. Okay, please tell us about your non-technical lighting solution. Essentially, this is not aimed at uh, lighting a room or lighting, uh, doing good portrait work or anything like that. But very often you'll be somewhere in the field and you'll need to get a light on a subject a small sub in an awkward place. So I would include in this a portable, rechargeable LED light. I have a small LED flashlight with an adjustable beam, which means that it goes from a spotlight to a, um, a floodlight to a flashing light, and preferably have a red light setting. 
And if it's got a magnetic base, that's even better still because you can clamp it onto stuff. The red light works good for night photography of any form. Likewise, if you have an uh, adjustable headlamp with the same sort of settings that gives you a floodlight, a red light, and maybe a, a more focused beam, these can be used in the situations that I mentioned, and I, I find them almost invaluable. What about you? Do you have any recommendations for the portable lights? I understand they're changing uh, over time and getting more affordable and better. And Well, I have to agree with you on the subject of the headlamp. And again, you suggested heading over to Costco for some other stuff. Yep. Costco sells these things as well. And I like the ones that have both the white light and the red light. Yep. I can't speak for everybody else, but I like to have both hands available mm -hmm. when I'm working. And the red light is critical for night photography work or anytime you're working in the dark because it doesn't destroy your night vision. Right. And you can actually get stuff done. And if you're out shooting with other people, they don't hit you with their tripod. Ah, the tripod, yes. Because with you've just tripod. destroyed their <laughs> night vision and possibly their exposure. When it comes to lighting, well, you already know, I like flash the best. And while some folks are uncomfortable with flash, small flash does things no other light can do for its size and weight. It really is a sun in your pocket. So I believe everyone should have a hot shoe flash. Actually, I think everyone could probably use more than one, but at least one get going, but also an off-camera flash trigger. This used to be a complicated decision-making process not to mention a bank-breaking one. It's not true anymore. You need to know the make of your camera, and you need to know how to get to the B&H website. Once you can do that, it's very simple. I personally stress-tested the gear from Godox. I like their TT685. It's got all kinds of power. I think it's around 100 bucks, And their high-end trigger is about... $70, mm -hmm. and those flashes have the receivers built into them. So you don't have to spend a fortune. I really tested them hard and tried to find a way for them to not work. And they held up really, really well during the test. The thing I like about them is you don't need an engineering degree or have a prayer book handy to make them work properly. It's good to get the set together because they do have to be compatible with each other. They're radio-based. They're not light-based. I never recommend light-based remote triggers because they just don't work when you need them to. Yep. Radio is pretty much fallproof. Use that in conjunction with a generic remote camera release, wired or wireless, whatever you prefer. I think that's awesome, and it will serve your needs very, very well. Whether you're shooting TTL or manual flash, doesn't matter. It's going to work great. What other stuff can you think of? In the context of trying to keep things affordable and non-techie, I would suggest putting things together that sort of functionally follow the, the same group. Uh, to, this, uh, to this end, uh, I would suggest something like a gray card. It's small. It's packable. It's reversible. It's uh, middle gray... It's the middle gray reference uh, side on one side, and it's white on the other, so you can turn it around and use it as a reflector. 
you could also, in that case, use it as your white card for video. A set of pop-up reflectors is uh, pretty good. You can always use, well, you can always use reflectors. I know they get sold in packs of maybe five or eight, and uh, they have different degrees of reflectance and different degrees of punchiness and different degrees of color in some of them. Depending on how well you know what your photographer friend photographs, getting some kind of a portable background, that's another one of those things that is never out of place. I think these are great suggestions. On, on the subject of reflectors and backgrounds, they turn into sails in, in wind. So from my perspective, they're really no use if they can't be held in place. And that can either mean stands of some kind or perhaps something else. I personally don't like cheap stands because I've watched them fold like a willow in a strong wind. Yep. So the choice of stand tends to be more of a personal choice. When it comes to reflectors specifically, the only reflector surfaces that really matter for photography are white, silver, and black. White is less punchy, silver is more punchy, and black acts as a light suck. It allows mm -hmm. you to increase contrast yep. when you're trying to do that. Any of the other colors are useful for video keying, or they're going to have some kind of weird reflector like gold foil, which does wonders if you want to make everybody look like they've got <laughs> jaundice. My favorite holder, to hold things in place, is gaffer tape. Now, how did I guess? Okay, yes, it is, that passed my mind. But. It is sort of the, the one ring to rule them all, if yeah, you will. absolutely. I wrap lengths of it around the tripod legs, so I've always got some with, it, with me. It comes in different widths. You can spend a lot of money for it at your photo store. You can also buy it on Amazon and spend less money. And, of course, you can get it in different widths. So I like to take the wider width, the two and a quarter or two inch wide, put some, cut some strips and just wrap them around the tripod legs, and I keep a small roll of one inch wide uh, gaffer tape in my bag. I also like to suggest a plastic baggie of standard clothespins. You can buy a packet of wooden clothespins for under five bucks. Yep. Just put them in a baggie. I like the spring clip type as opposed to the uh, physical clamp type. Right. Uh, but they're really useful. The other thing that I do recommend highly on the subject of reflections and backgrounds is a personal assistant, also known as a shreve. The problem with personal assistants is that they tend to be expensive to keep. You have to feed them, and they keep wandering off. <laughs> so I tend to resort to gaffer what else you got? Well, let's not forget about the replenishables. I'm not sure if that's a word or not, but it sounds good. It's a word now. Camera batteries. You can never have too many of them. If you go, And if your friend has a mirrorless camera, double that amount because they go through batteries like there's no tomorrow. Well, they're powering more displays. That just oh, absolutely. Sense. Some good rechargeable batteries, usually AA or AAA, with a halfway decent charger. What uh, sort of voltage and stuff do you recommend for these? Uh, so, if particularly for flash, 
where you need very fast recycling times. I don't recommend anything less than 2,200 milliamp ampere hours. I use the the Minex ones there, 2,800, um, but they need their own special charger. I think Eneloop or something? Eneloop, that's the ones, yeah. Because I know they came in white and black. But yeah, I don't know, know who makes the Eneloops now, but I've got a ton of them, and they, they last, and they come with a charger, and it's a really good value. So, yeah, I agree with you on, on, on the batteries. And I think you've said in the past, if you need four, bring more. Bring more, for sure. A multi-tool. Otherwise called a Swiss Army knife, Leatherman, or any iteration of those. Because the number of times that you find you have to snip something, cut something, move something out of the way, hold it out of the way, you get one of those in your your bag and you suddenly realize that the world looks different. A small pointy-nosed pair of pliers is kind of interesting to have around it. Because that works wonders in getting all that crud out of the way of the photograph from underneath that mushroom that you're trying to photograph. So it works for all kinds of reasons. Some that you can think of and some that you won't until you actually have to use them. You did suggest a multi-tool, you know, like a Leatherman-style thing or a Swiss Army knife. I do like the Swiss Army knife that's got a set of scissors, a little bit of pair of pliers, and a multi-bit screwdriver handle. And you guys on the podcast can't see it, but I'm holding one up right in front of Gord. This is the Swiss Army knife. They call it the one for the computer. Because it's got multi-bit screwdrivers, scissors, pliers, uh, bottle openers, beer can openers. Heck, it's even got a couple of knives in there. So, you know. Uh, and where would you get one of those? Uh, you can I'd, actually get these on Amazon. Oh, okay. Or you could spend more and go to the Victorinox store. So I, I like that particular tool. You should, but I definitely, if you don't have one of those, get yourself one of those multi-tools because they will undoubtedly make the difference between getting the shot and not getting the shot in direct proportion to the distance you have walked. <laughs> yes, Absolutely. Now, some other considerations that you could consider, other considerations you consider. I am a master of wordsmithing today. You are. Things like polarizing filters, neutral density filters, and a high quality ball head for the tripod. The challenge with these is I can't just suggest one because they tend to be photographer or lens specific. Mm -hmm. Because you want to get, if you're buying filters, you want to buy them to fit the largest diameter lens that you or the photographer owns and then get the appropriate stepping rings so you can use them on smaller diameter lenses. And people get very particular about their choice of ball heads. All yeah, I can so it's, it's, almost, it's almost a cult. It is almost like that. And all I, all I know is that the more you spend, you know, you're probably going to get a better quality ball head. I'm a big fan of Getzo and Really Right Stuff. But let's not kid ourselves. They're not inexpensive. So there you go. For things like that, or a really reliable travel tripod that won't bend over and fall, as the buyer, you might consider a gift card. Oh, yes. That's perfect. I know that uh, we advocate on, on, on this channel 
uh, working with B&H because they ship to both the U.S. and Canada, and they offer gift cards. So that might be another option that you could consider. Um, anything else you've got in closing? Not sure. I did have two uh, pretty unlikely things in mind. I have a set of neoprene canoeing needles. Because the shot that you want to get can only be composed from one location, in the kneeling position, and it had a sharp embedded rock in the only place that you could place your knee. Those kneelers, they are not tied around your legs, they weigh nothing, and they will provide the comfort you need to get that shot without turning the um, air blue. I've never seen neoprene canoeing kneelers, but I'm not a canoeist. But I also advocate some form of knee slash elbow protection. Right. Because if my knee can find a sharp rock, my elbows are guaranteed to find sharp rocks covered in thorns. <laughs> and uh, yes, the cheapest route I've found are the protective pads that you might find for skateboarding or for rollerblading. Right. They're light. They go on easy. They don't cut off the circulation. Yep. And they don't take up a lot of space. So that's a pretty good selection of options, Gordon. I think that gives them a lot, a lot to think about. I, I think so. Thanks, as always, to our listeners. Please subscribe to be notified of new updates, new episodes, new knowledge. Not likely. Well, yeah, maybe the last one's a bit of a stretch. I'm Ross. And I'm Gordon, and we will speak to you next time we can think of something to speak to you about. How well said that is. <laughs> See you later, gang.